Father, in the name of Jesus, as we're looking into the scripture, would you cause it to come alive? Cause it to awaken something in us. Cause it to help us see who you are in a greater way. Transform us as we read it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, last week, I started in on this passage because, as you know, we're in a series on the book of Luke. And I started into this passage, and I only got one point. All right? So I only got through one point. So we're gonna tr- I'm going to try to get through all three points real quick. So I, I want to make sure that we finish this chapter and can go on to the next chapter. So if you have a pen and paper... I want you to get it out, and I want you to take notes. I I think taking notes when you're listening to the scriptures being read, we have no way of knowing what Jesus will speak to you. It may not be even anything having to do with what I'm talking about, but he may begin to talk to you and speak to you, and you need to have a pen ready and write that kind of thing down. All right, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, gives us the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, it says, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Everybody say amen. (laughs) When you fast, you get hungry. What I notice, though, is when I'm fasting, I'm not Uh, Once I go past a certain point of fasting, I'm not really that hungry for food. I'm just hungry for the memory of food. (laughs) It's like my, it's it's called an appetite. I have an appetite, not not the physical hunger, but the memory of it, and I want to enjoy it. By the way, your bodies were made for that. God made your body. He didn't have to make your body so that it would love food. But aren't you glad he did? (laughs) He made it so that you would love food ice cream sundaes, so that you would love burgers and fries. Maybe he didn't make it so you'd love those, but I sure love those. He made it so that you, the taste, the way, it, the way it, we, we, we long for it and want it, it's part of the way he designed us. But when we belong to him, the reason we fast is we say, God, I'm hungry for you, and I don't want my fleshly appetites to control everything in my life. I want to live within the controls of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Spirit, God's Spirit within me, and you control my life, and so that means I don't want to overeat. That means I have to eat a little healthier. That means I need to run and, and take care of this physical body. That means I need to exercise, all right? So, so that's, that's how we, we live in obedience to him, all right? Verse 3, here it is. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. Now, last week we talked about this. I'm just going to review it. And it's, it's the test of provision. It's the test of provision that, that the devil's coming and saying, Jesus, why don't you, you have the power to change these stones to bread. Jesus was being tempted to manipulate his own spiritual power for his own appetite. Think about that. He was being tempted to to use his own spiritual power to do something for himself, to feed his own appetite. And what Jesus was saying is, man does not live by bread alone. In fact, supernaturally, God can do anything, and he can sustain me even though I haven't eaten for 40 days. 
He's saying the, the, the work of God is the work of, of convincing me that I do not have to provide for myself. Because the lie is, I must rely on myself for what I need. Jesus had to pass this test. Jesus had to pass this test. I have to rely on myself for what I need. And so he's passing the test by saying, God provides for what I need. Not, not la- it doesn't mean you can be lazy. It doesn't mean you don't have to be a good steward of what he's given you. But ultimately, the source for all you have is God's provision. And so... So Jesus had this choice to make, all right? You ready for the choice? The choice is stones for, was he going to leave the stones for building his, his character up, right? Or bread for feeding the hunger. This was a moment where the devil was tempting him instead of Becoming the Messiah who would only do what the Father had told him to do. He was going to be tempted to become the Messiah who would just make things happen. That's that's what's going on here. He's come into his ministry. He's been baptized at the Jordan River. And the Spirit sends him into the wilderness. And suddenly there is a temptation. What kind of Messiah is he really going to be? And this is why he, he had to be tempted privately. He had to be tested privately just like you and I are. In order to have public success, in order to do the things that God wanted him to do, his heavenly father wanted him to do, he had to be tempted privately where no one could see it and pass those tests. By the way, that's the same thing that happens to you and me. That's what really happens with fasting. You want the cookie. You want it badly. (laughs) You've been going without. It's there, it's on the plate. The kitchen is empty. There's a plate of cookies. It's right there on the counter. No one else knows. No one else will see. No one else is looking. You could take it and it would be fine. What fasting does is it's the same mechanism that you say no to sin with, you say no to the cookie with. Do you get it? You say no to the cookie, you say no no to the, the functioning of your flesh. I want that, I'm going to take it. When we refuse it, when we're willing to make a habit, a spiritual discipline of fasting every once in a while, we we say no to our flesh and we say yes to God's spirit. That's what's happening. And what happens in that process is our character begins to be built. Our insides begin to be built up spiritually. We begin to be strengthened by God. We begin to have confidence that God is the sustainer. We get in touch with his word to us that he is provider and he he can make sure Whatever we need, whatever is, is necessary for my life, he can provide it. Not necessarily what I want. He's, he's, I'm not guaranteeing everything you want. I'm guaranteeing everything you need. That God guarantees everything you need. The scripture guarantees everything you need from him. And if you think about it, what we, we think about one of the best stories in the Bible is in Genesis 22. It's the story of Abraham, Isaac. Abraham and Isaac, and, he, and, he's, and he's taking him to the mountain. We're not going to turn there, but he's taking him to the mountain because God has told him to take him there and sacrifice him. And as he takes him there, he responds to Isaac who said, Dad, we got the wood, we got the fire, uh, where's the sacrifice? <laughs> Isaac says this, and then Abraham turns to him, and what does he say? He says, the Lord will provide. Who, kn- 
knows what Abraham, Abraham didn't know what the Lord was going to provide, but he was being obedient, and he went to this mountain, Mount Moriah, and he, and he, he got up there, and he began the process. He tied Isaac to the altar. He was ready to sacrifice him out of obedience to the Father, and the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Abraham, wait, wait. And essentially what God said through the angel was that because you haven't, because you haven't withheld anything from me, because you've withheld nothing from me, I'll withhold nothing from you. That's essentially what he said. He said, I'll make your descendants as, as, as many as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. He said, because you've withheld nothing from me, I'll withhold nothing from you. And that is exactly the truth that you can receive today. Of course, the issue is, <laughs> the issue is we have to trust him in everything. We have to be willing to surrender everything. So how do we pass the test of provision? We pass the test by trusting God. We pass the test by surrendering everything to God and knowing that he'll provide. Some of you are being tested on it right now. Some of you who, who haven't been able to find a job. Some of you that haven't, you're, you're, you're not where you were once in your life and you, it's, it's a different place. It's, it's difficult. It's a struggle. Can I just encourage you if you'll just surrender everything? Work hard, be a good steward, make sure you're serving other people, make sure you're taking care of, of business the best you can, make sure that you're working. If you can't work, then find a place to serve people. Do something that God can say, he's being a good steward of all I've given him. But in everything, surrender to him. Hold nothing back from him. So the second test, of course, that Jesus runs into is in verse five. So here it is, the devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. Just pause for a minute right there. It was given to him by Adam and Eve. They decided to disobey, and sin entered all of the world, and people began to do whatever they wanted to do. And so that gives the devil power. When people violate God's laws and God's guidelines, it gives the devil his authority. All right? Just, just think about what it would look like if more and more of God's people would not give the devil any authority. That really is what we're doing here. We're, we're, we're giving less and less authority to the devil, and we're giving more and more authority to Christ in our lives. And so, so here he is. He says, it's all been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. This is the test of promotion. Will God take me up the ladder? Because what? Here's, here's what, here's what the devil's doing. He's saying, see all this authority? I can give it to you. See, I, you think that the Father's going to promote you? Listen, I can do it faster, cheaper, and easier. This is exactly what he's saying. He's saying, I can do it. I can take a shortcut. I can give you a shortcut. Here's the thing. I believe that Jesus knew he was going to get the nations of the world. He knew the nations were coming to him. We look at the book of Revelation, you can see the picture of all the nations. 
Jesus knew he was slated for authority over all. He was going to have authority, but this test, this temptation is, I'll give it to you, the devil says. I'll give you a shortcut. Essentially, what the devil is doing is he is saying to Jesus, I have performance-enhancing drugs that, you, that will cause you to win. Poor Lance Armstrong. I don't know if you watched any of that this week. I watched it. It was, it was agonizing to me because as I watched him, I saw this man who is in process, no doubt about it, but he could not tell Oprah why he did it. She kept wandering around. The, he, couldn't, he couldn't figure out why he was so bad, why he was so cruel, why he was so mean to people. He couldn't explain that. And he couldn't explain, I was so fascinating, at the end of the second night, he, Oprah asked him, what's the moral of the story? What's the moral of this story? He didn't have an answer. It was so heartbreaking. He's a man who's been consumed by his own fleshly appetites and lusts. He tried to take the shortcut, the way to the top. It doesn't work. It's a lie. You steal at work trying to get to the top. You violate other people, other relationships, trying to get what you want, trying to get control over other people. It's a lie from the devil. It ruins you. Oh, he'll make you think that you can have all that you want. He'll make you think that he's giving you everything. The lie will be that, that you can have the authority or the splendor or the, 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 the awesome career or the, the thing that you so desire. He'll give it to you, but it's only for a short time, and then he'll rip, he'll rip the carpet out from underneath you, and you'll fall flat on your face. That's his plan. That's the devil's plan. That's what happened to Lance Armstrong. The lie is, I must make my own way in this world. I got to make my way. I got to make sure that I have what I can get. There is no shortcut in the Bible. The truth is, the servanthood and humility will prepare the way for God to lift me up. The truth is that servanthood and humility will prepare the way for God to lift me up. This is what causes the greatest authority. Turn over to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Hey, we may get through another point. <laughs> John chapter 13. I want you to see this right here. It's just a few pages over. Verse 1, it says, It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. If you have a pen, you should underline this little passage right here. He showed them the full extent of his love. If your Bible is too good to mark in, then enshrine it in glass and get a new one. He showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Notice, here's the, here's the verse. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. The beginning of 
God putting all things under his power was Luke 4 in the wilderness. That was the beginning of the moment where Jesus passed the test. And it's in him now. He gets it. But he knows all power. He has all power and that he had that all power had come from God, and he was returning to God. So he knows what's happening. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. The question for all of us is if, if you want... God to give you authority, if you want him to lift you up, the question is, what will you do with it when he gives it to you? What will you do with it if he gives it to you? Jesus had passed the test, and so that when God began to display his power and authority through Jesus, when he knew that he, all of it was his, that the thing that he did with his power was he took a towel, and he wrapped it around himself, and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. He began to, to humbly share with them the secret, the source of all his authority. You want to be promoted at work? Guess what? The principle still stands. you got to serve more than other people. You want, to, you want to get to the top by cheating? You want to get to the top by walking over other people? You want to get to the top by mistreating people? It's only a matter of time. You will fall. You will fall from the height of being lifted up. It's just part of the way it works. It's part of the way God's created all of the world. The humility and servanthood is the way that God's authority begins to display itself in your life. I want you to think about that temptation that comes to all of us. All the power and promotion God wants to give you is related to how much you'll use it to serve others. All the power and promotion God wants to give you is related to how much you'll use it to serve others. We pass, listen, listen, we pass the test by serving. We pass the test by serving. And listen, listen, this is, this is so important. The position you're trying to get to, the thing you're trying to get to, the position that God wants to give you is greater than that. The position that God wants to give you is greater than your own ability to get it. It's greater, it's grander, it's, it's more truthful, it's more powerful than anything we could want on our own. Finally, let's go to the third one. Go back to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and here it is in verse 9. Oh, sorry. Yeah, verse 9. Well, let's, let's look at verse 8. Jesus answered, it is, this is the answer to the, to the second test. He says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and what? Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When you're doing your work, wherever, whatever career you have, when you serve your boss, you're not just serving your boss. The Bible teaches us that when you are working for your boss, you're not just working for your boss, you're working as unto the Lord. If you're a Christian, you serve God by serving your boss. 
If you're a Christian, you serve God. If you're a believer, you serve God by making sure that others have what they need. You, if, you're, if you are a Christian, you worship God by caring for others. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. They're interrelated. So verse 9 says, The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. <laughs> this is the devil getting wise, right? He's, he's like, okay, I'm going to use some scripture on you, Jesus. Been using scripture on me? Let me use some on you. And he twists the scripture to tempt Jesus to do something that he had not been commanded to do. In fact, verse 12 says, Jesus answered, it says, it's, you can kind of hear Jesus going, well, actually, devil, <laughs> it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This is the test of protection. Will God keep me safe? Will God keep me safe? Go, go ahead, go up on, go ahead, uh, go ahead and go, get up on the top of the temple, and I want you to throw yourself down. I've been there to that very place where the temple was built up, and it is a long ways down into the valley. And the temple was even higher in those days. And so it, he was telling him, throw yourself down. And here's what the Bible says, the angels will catch you. It'll be an incredible demonstration for everybody to see, and everyone will know that you really are the Messiah. What it is, is a lie. And what, he, what the lie is, it's, it's interesting. The lie is, I need to impress others with my spirituality, the lie from the devil that you and I both face as well is the fact that we got to let other people know how spiritual we are. It is Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 who said, when you want to give to the poor, do it in secret so that nobody sees. When you pray, don't do it with a bunch of words so that other people can see you. Do it in your closet because your Father who hears you in secret will reward you. There is a temptation for all of us to try to impress each other with our spirituality. The second lie is God will protect me. The second lie here, there's an underlying thing here. It's God will protect me no matter what I do. Don't you know I'm a child of God? Don't you know I can do anything that I want to and God will still protect me? Actually, that's not true. That's, that's not faith. That's called presumption. And the, and, and the devil is tempting Jesus to presume upon God to save him because he's trying to do a tremendous display of sensational spirituality. The truth is, hidden, consistent obedience produces godliness. What Jesus is having to answer with is, hey, don't test the Lord. What Jesus is kind of saying is, is don't drive 85 miles an hour in a 55-mile-an-hour zone without a seatbelt on and ask Jesus to protect you. Don't do things you know are not right 
and then expect that God will protect you. This, this happens over and over again. So many people, there's, there's terrible things that happen in this world. There's many foolish decisions that we make, and then everybody stands around and goes, whoa, why did God do that? Well, God didn't do that. That was the guy's stupidity. Every time, I mean, and this is, this is I mean, I want to be careful about how I say this because I want to respect people who are grieving, who've lost loved ones. But listen, every time I see in the newspaper a, a young person who was killed in a traffic accident and I see those little words, he was not wearing a seatbelt. I bring it to my boys and I say, hey, do you see this? <laughs> this is you if you decide not to wear your seatbelt. There's something that God's given us. It's an understanding of his laws, his guidelines, his truth. And the best development of our lives, the best way we develop in our spirituality is by simple, humble, hidden obedience. That's why the title of this passage, or the title of this message is Private Victories. Because ultimately, private victories are the way that your life becomes successful in God and in this world. Are there bad things that happen in this world? Of course there are. That's why we long and look for the future establishment of Christ's kingdom. That it is coming, it has come, it is coming, and it will be. When he returns, he will put everything to right. But I want you to see here how, how Jesus responds to him. The devil quotes Psalm 91. All right? He quotes Psalm 91, and then Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6.16. And when he quotes Deuteronomy 6.16, he's, he's talking about a testing that God's people did of God in the wilderness. They, they, they tested God with their grumbling, with their complaining, with their whining. And so to, to understand what Jesus is quoting, you've got to go to Exodus 17.7. So I'll just put it up on the screen for you. Exodus 17.7, here it is. Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? That's what they were doing. They were in the wilderness, and they're saying, if the Lord, is the Lord here with us or not? Because if, if he's here, I should have some quail on my table right now. I should have some water right now. The sin of presumption. See, there's a, there's a humility that we must embrace. There's a hidden obedience that we must embrace in order to change this in our lives. By wanting Jesus to jump over the abyss, right? That's what the devil's tempting him to do, overlooking the Kidron Valley. He wants him to invite certain death without God's intervention, but here's the thing. The devil wants Jesus to presume on his relationship with God, to act as if God were there to serve his son rather than the reverse. He wants to, the devil is tempting Jesus to act as if God is there to serve him rather than he's here to serve God. The simplest and easiest protection of our lives is obedience. All you teenagers, if you're a teenager in here, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yep, come on. Teenagers. Yes, not all of you who are raising your hands are teenagers. 
some of you you want to be teenagers. Okay, all right, put your hands down. Now listen, teenagers, listen. The best, the simplest way for you to develop, the, the best way for you to mature, the best way for your spirituality to begin to grow, the best way for you to stay alive is to obey your parents. Some of you are like, Pastor Ross, you don't know my dad. (laughs) Listen, I don't know your dad, but I know your dad knows you better than I do. And there's something about your parents, there's something about God's uh, putting that together that really changes the landscape of your life. Listen, here's the problem. We're in an age of YouTube and American Idol. We all want to be famous. The devil is tempting Jesus to be famous, to do something, to do something sensational instead of just be a good steward. It is sensationalism versus stewardship. Do what you've been told to do. Don't do things that you haven't been told to do. Do the things that God has made clear in his word. Do the things that you know are right and, and you will find you will find God looking down on you and beginning to give you power and authority and strength, and wisdom that you could never obtain yourself. I want to challenge you to do this. I want to challenge all of us not to flaunt our spirituality. Let's be humble about it. Let's reach out to our neighbors and the people in our city or our work with a humble attitude that says, you know, I want to help you know who this God is that I serve. He's not here to serve me. I'm here to serve him. And I want to demonstrate that for you. Close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's pray. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you wherever you're at. Whatever we talked about today that hit you between the eyes, I want you to respond to God. I'm not going to take... A long time here. I'm going to pray over you. Because the likelihood of all of us realizing that there's part of our lives that are out of balance, out of whack, that we've, that we've chosen, some, chosen some things, we've made decisions that have put us outside the realm of God's authority, that we've somehow tried to provide for ourselves. We, we've tried to make something happen on our own. Instead of surrendering, we've presumed upon him to do something for us. And like Jesus, we must go through the fire of that test. And as we pass, as, we, as, it, as God works in our lives, a transformation begins to occur. Think about Jesus. He, he is being ushered in by his overcoming of these temptations. He's being ushered into three years of miraculous, powerful ministry. Blind eyes seeing, deaf ears hearing. An incredible display of spiritual power. Listen, if you're willing to be humble, if you're willing to serve, if you're willing to hide in the obedience that God desires from you, then God will begin to reward you. There's no, there's no way around it. It's going to happen. And so I would like you to just surrender whatever it is that you, that you find in your life.
Give it away to God. Give up your will. Give up your plan for his plan. Give up your desire for his desire for you. Let that come alive in you today. Heavenly Father, I pray over every heart, every person, every life. You know exactly what's going on inside of them. And so, Lord, would you touch them? Would you speak to them? Would you give them courage? Courage to overcome their own will. Courage to overcome the expectations of others even that want them to do certain things. Lord, help them to embrace the humility that you demonstrated by coming and dying for us. Lord, help us all to lay down our lives for you, to see that you are Lord, that you are Savior, and you are King, and you want to give us all the authority that you have. Help us to obey. Help us to surrender. Help us to live our lives with you in mind. We thank you for this. And then usher us in, Lord, to the next season of our lives. Usher us in to the next season that will display your goodness, your provision, your faithfulness, and your power. Lord, I thank you for this. We all receive it now. We receive your word to us. We choose you. We choose you, Jesus. We receive your work. We receive your plan. We receive your purpose. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your cleansing. In Jesus' name.